Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shop Still Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 18. My name is Robin Lewis from RobinLewisMakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 6 p.m., although we've got one more week of Monday at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time uh, or UTC plus 10, or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments towards the end of the show, but feel free to chat amongst yourselves. The idea being that this is also a place to meet. I see we've got a few people in already. So just a couple of announcements from my side. Um, first off, a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago, Joey, we talked about I was going to post one of your videos oh, yeah. on Reddit <laughs> yeah. and see if there was any bumps. So I ended up putting that up after last week's show, last week, Monday. Okay. Have you noticed any, was there any change, like the type of comments, any extra views or any shift that you noticed? Uh, on Instagram? Uh, no, no, well, it would have been on YouTube. So I put your, your YouTube video to, I did the, the Buddhist altar and... The, the the modern circular table. Yeah, well, there has been a bunch more comments, I suppose, on on those videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you yeah. notice any jump in your views? I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if that's something that you paid attention because I had a quick look myself um, to yeah. check your subscribers and views, and I didn't notice anything no. drastic. But on the actual Reddit post, I can see that there's been a lot of activity. Okay. So it's interesting you just you say there's been a couple of extra comments, but I I. Unfortunately, I didn't get the impression that it was that big spike that I was expecting it to be. So it kind of, I, I shot myself, my, my theory down. There's no there. massive spike in anything this week. Right. No, I, on the Reddit subject, I posted a video to Reddit. I can't remember which one. Uh, just because of what you said to me about how it's a good way to kind of mm. get additional people looking at it. And it got taken down because it was considered self-promotion. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, this entire thing is about posting artisan woodworking videos or some, I can't remember what group I put it in. Yeah. And it got, it got to like 60, is it up rates or something they call it on Reddit? Up folks, yeah. Like, 60 yeah. is not too bad. It got to 60 and then it got pulled because it was like me Who self-promoting. I have no idea. And then I, I posted it in a different, different thing and the same bloody thing happened. So I'm like... <laughs> I'm not here to say buy this because it's amazing. I just said I made a table. This is it. I've got a cool workshop. Watch it. And they, yeah, Reddit Reddit can be very. So I gave up on the whole Reddit thing because it was too hard. <laughs> it, it can be super. Like you might just get on a bad day. You get what's called moderators, and um, they they manage the the subreddits. Right. So you, you might have just caught the guy on a bad day and he was like, I'm, I'm tired of dealing with this. This is the 10th guy that I've had to deal with. True, true. I was, it's a real person on the other end, I guess. It's not a bot. So. Yeah, exactly. So how do you view stuff on Reddit? Is it like, like how do you rate it? Is it done by views or is there like a way to, like to a, see if something is successful? I have no idea. So. So you go onto the, the front page of Reddit and you can see everything that people are posting. You can then go in and, and dive, sort of dial into specific subreddits like a woodworking subreddit or something like that. And based on the number of up or down votes, so if it right. gets upvoted, 
then it generally moves higher up the list. Right. If it gets downvoted, then it disappears very quickly. Mm. So depending on, and that's why the fact that you've got 60 upvotes, is actually pretty good, John. Well, I mean, it's, well, not, that, it's not amazing, but it's definitely not bad. I mean, that, Yeah, and that's what I thought. Like it was 60 upvotes in, you know, I posted it before I went to bed in the morning, I checked it and it was 60, but it was also removed. So like it obviously <laughs> got upvoted pretty quickly because people liked it, but still the moderators removed it because it was self-promotion. So do you know, yeah. do you know Rob, what my videos are doing after a week? I can be downvoted. What I'll do, um, did you guys have any other uh, announcements while you while we're on that? Announcements? Um, yeah, like anything going on that you want to particularly make? Well, oh, uh, Wormy, Wormy, my, my amputated ah, finger, yeah. has, a, has a very small nail growing out of one of its holes. <laughs> So that's interesting. That's that's a cool announcement. Yeah, like it's tiny. It's not even a millimeter across. And so they, and it's hurt. It hurts. I, but I was just going to say, could you just like rip it off? But no, it's like. Yeah. yeah. So that's an announcement that's kind of cool. Uh, that sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> and we've just lost all of our viewership. All right. Cool. Yeah. Wormy. Jeez. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is I'll quickly have a look at that okay. and find that uh, thing in the, on the side. In right. the meantime, Joey, uh, what have you been working yeah. on this week? Um, been flat out on this kitchen islands, excuse me, <coughs> on this kitchen, kitchen islands made of uh, curry. It's um, Fijian slash Malaysian curry because the New Zealand stuff is not really possible. Um, and I put for the first time I've used the undermount draw runners. Um, so you make a full wooden box, put hide the runners kind of underneath it, and oh, yeah. man, so impressed with them. I I don't know why I haven't used them before, to be honest, but um, <laughs> they work so nicely and they're so easy to make. So um, have they definite. got? Uh, sorry, to, to, yeah, to, so, but do they have um, like just as much adjustment as the standard side mount? The runners, so they have adjustment height wise, but no sideways, right? So you have to the have that pretty. I'm good. using king king slide, right? Um, runners, and the height adjustment is a little bit cheesy, cheap, but it works, it works right. fine. It's, it's yeah. a very simple mechanism, but it gives you a three or almost four mil of oh, right. uh, movement. That's so, you, yeah, so you can kind of set it halfway. And then put your draw front on, and then you've got up and down. Yeah. Um, so I thought, and you know, it's actually a very smooth, quiet movement. It's much better than a um, much quieter, I think, than like your standard kind of soft close kitchen draw mm -hmm. type thing. Um, I thought it was interesting. The client actually came in and had a look at the rest of his kitchen, and he said, "I, I said to him." Oh, tomorrow we'll get on to making your bench tops. And he kind of looked around and he's like, where are they? And I said, oh, the the stack of timber, rough sawn timber here, we're going to turn into your bench tops. And he was like, oh, so you've got to like glue them together or something. And I was like, so yeah, I was like, yeah, we glue them together and make a big wide panel and that's your, your bench top. And that was, he was, he's like, okay, sweet. But I thought it was a very interesting kind of insight into 
how much some clients do not know at all about what we do. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> maybe we shouldn't take for granted, I suppose, sometimes what people have no idea about what the process is. And, and so sometimes the more we educate them during whatever the process we happen to be doing, um, they might understand why some things cost what they do. <laughs> you know, you, you can't just go and buy a bench top <laughs> off the shelf and it doesn't work that way, you know? Well, it well, does if you don't want... Custom, yeah. Yeah, if you want custom, you want something nice. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, uh, you'll remember, speaking of the Alter video, mm. um, the client just emailed me and ordered a dining table and so I'm actually going to pick up the timber for that this week because he wants it in a hurry, as seems to be the norm. <laughs> um, but he actually, so I usually put my brand on my furniture, and it's a it's a five pointed star. Some people call me out on being a Satan worshiper or something, <laughs> <laughs> like a pentagram. Yeah. Um, well, you are a punk guy, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. Um, but I figured in this case, I wouldn't put it on the altar, given that they were so finickety about measurements and numbers, and probably not the best thing to go and put a five pointed star on their yeah, altar. Um, but he had said, he emailed me and said, um, How come you didn't put your brand on your furniture? we keep trying to show it off, but we can't show it off. We can't tell show like the maker of it. So, um, I've got to make some badges up and put them on the, put them on the pieces. So I'm actually going to get some steel, well, steel, like crap steel, you know, little, um, kind of logo badges that I can glue on to all my yep. pieces. Um, so I've just been talking to a company about getting those, uh, kind of cast little, oval badges things mm -hmm. so that'll be a bit of fun yeah i've looked at something similar to that so i get like an anodized plate so i can do it on the laser oh, so cool. like like i rem i do the negative on the laser i think so i yeah. have i have um my my logo is the high point is the high point yeah yeah, yeah. and that I, I did that once so far and i'm gonna do way more of it because it's cool it looks good too yeah, that's cool that you can do your own too and like kind of custom sizes if you need to. Yeah, exactly. Um, or even names and dates. That would be what. That's right. Or serial numbers if it's part mm. of the range and all that sort of stuff. It's I like the idea of being able to do the date. Um, I usually just hand write the date and uh, put my signature on it Yep. as well. But um, yeah, I like that date engraved in the steel. It's a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the local guys here in Townsville, Scott Turner, he just released a video and someone here locally makes those steel. I oh, think yeah. it's steel. Uh, yeah. And he basically got a sheet of these that he can then either epoxy or nail or whatever to yeah, his right. pieces. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant. I'm actually going to contact this guy about making, seeing if I can get some. Because hmm. I think I've been handwriting on mine as well, hmm. but I just think it looks... I it's think it brings it to a new level, right? When it's actually something that's kind of crafted in itself. Or like stamped or burnt or yeah. something. Yeah, it's just so much cooler when you do that. Yeah, my ones are going to be fly-casted. So they use like muck metal, you know, crappy, just whatever, metal. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to electroplate them to be like antique copper. Oh, nice. Um, mm. 
and they put a little pin on the back, which they need to to hold the thing where they electroplate it. And then he said most people just drill a small hole and put the pin into the timber, put a bit of super glue, and that's it. Mm. Um, that's cool. And they're like two dollars fifty each, which is not crazy cheap, but it's not crazy expensive either. So, mm. um, and the the value, the perceived value that it adds on a two thousand dollar whatever, probably worth it. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So I'm getting going to get a bunch of them made. So that'll be fun. Cool. And that's about it. Fun. No luck on the Reddit uh, side of things. Unfortunately, I don't have, I'm not logged in down here, so I can't find it. But what I'll do is I'll either have it ready for next show or I'll put the link to it in Reddit um, in the description below. Yeah. So take a look. Um, Vote me, people. <laughs> I've got this horrible feeling, Jordan, that I think it might have been removed. <laughs> so that's hilarious. That so do you think then it's because like companies get removed because it's like looks like it's a business trying to promote itself? So when they talk about the self-promotion, normally it's a case of, as Jordan says, here, buy this. Right. Also, guys can get a little bit annoyed if you are constantly promoting and you're not like commenting or, right. or, or, mm. or on anyone else's stuff. If you, if it's just all one way then, which I think is fair, you know, then, then you, you get kicked as well. So, yeah. But yeah, I'll get those, those links up as, as soon as I can and, and you can all take a look. <laughs> so in my world, I have, uh, last week I finished, uh, I set up a, a bit of a drainage pipe, solution to the flooding that occurred a couple of weeks ago here after that heavy rain in Townsville. So it's just basically a, 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 a gentle grade from that low point in my yard into a bit of a soaking pit down the bottom of the yard. So that's taken care of. Just waiting on the next big rain to be able to figure out if it actually has worked that's or right. not. Yeah. It's impossible to tell until then. But there were some really cool comments on the the video of it. So thank you to everyone that, you know, I'll keep that all in mind if it does fail. Actually, I saw your video pop up answering the questions, mm. but the video itself never popped up on my feed. So I was kind of like, what What video, what questions, what answers, what are you talking about? I'll tell you what, I am, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people who thinks that, that you know, YouTube is out to get me because I, <laughs> I, I realize that we're all players in the same game, but like you just... I, the 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 number of people that watch my video versus the people of who versus the number of people who are subscribed makes me question if anyone sees my videos anymore these days because it just <laughs> it just the views trickle in and oh, it just doesn't make sense. I don't I, know. I felt the same on my other on my old yeah. main channel. That's why I just said stuff. <laughs> <it>. uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's why I said stuff it and started a new channel with just what I want people to see. Yeah, because it, it, I mean, at the end of the day, this is still enjoyable. So it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not like I'm, I'm waiting on those views for to pay my bills. But at the end of the day, yeah, it is, it can be a bit frustrating. But anyway. I, I, yeah, carry on. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, before we get into that entire topic. <laughs> so behind me, some of you can see is the, uh, it's sort of a, uh, it's a mixture of things. It's a bassinet that is going to double as a co-sleeper, which is a what the baby sleeps in to sit. Uh, it basically sleeps in right next to the bed. You can fold the one side down and then it's, you know, my wife will have access to it during the night. And then it's also going to be on wheels and it can rock. So we can basically use it as like a, we can push yeah. the baby around and, and it can rock. So that's been on the go for the last two weeks. 
and it's going really well. But because of all those things that I just mentioned, all those different parts, it's been really complicated. And everything is like I, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about SketchUp. I would not have been able to do this if I didn't have SketchUp, you know, the, to, to go back to. But yeah, slowly working on that. I've done the, the bassinet side of it is taken care of. Now it's just the, the cradle for it to sit in and rotate how's it, in. How's so, yeah. it going to rock? Are you going to hang, hang it like on two pins at each end? Yeah, so there's two 25-mil dowels yeah. in the bassinet on either end on the top right. side. And then the legs, I decided to – so that, that bassinet's all Maranti. And mm. we got an email from someone over the course of last week who was a bit concerned about the fact that I was making something for my child out of Maranti because Maranti is not a particularly solid wood. I originally got this Maranti to build a full-size cot out of and that was one of the reasons why I decided to switch from the cot to the the, um, the bassinet, which is a lot smaller, because I didn't realize just how soft and 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 un- not unstable, but like just how, yeah, it's not super. It's not the strongest wood that I've ever worked with. And I wish you guys had called me out on this before I went on and bought all the wood, because yeah, it's like it's not as bad as balsa wood, but it's getting pretty close to it. And I've never, see, we can't get it in solid form here. They only use it as um, face veneer for plywood. So right. Maybe the Maranti I've dealt with, I mean, it's not super hard. It's harder than pine, probably about the same as Tazio Oak or Vic Ash. Mm. Okay. So I don't know if it's the same stuff, but it's pretty dense over here. Well, over, well, over home way. Yeah, well, this <laughs> is the stuff from, from Bunnings, the hardware store. So yeah, that could right. be why. But this is, I'd say this is probably softer than pine. It's okay, been right. amazing because you can just, any any imperfections, you just one pass of the orbital sander and, the, and it's gone, yeah. which has been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I don't. Joinery in. What's that? Difficult to cut joinery and then. Luckily, because the fibers are quite short, it's actually not, okay. it's not too bad. So while it is soft, you know, you, you can still, they're okay. It's not yeah. great. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so what I did is I made the bassinet out of the um, Maranti because that's now quite a bit smaller Uh-oh. than the, crate, uh, the the cot, which is quite nice. So obviously, as you size it down, it becomes more and more, I don't know what you'd call that, like the, it's not taking as much of its own weight anymore, yeah. Yeah. The, the ratio. So that's fine. But I decided to do the, the cradle that it's going to sit in and rock on. That's all going to be out of Tazio because I just, yeah, I wouldn't want the legs to be mad at Maranti. Next question, just from a purely practical um, standpoint, is the rocking motion going to be lockable? Yes. So <laughs> what I've done, yeah, I thought of that. Where on the base, so it, it, the the the... Is it the fulcrum, the pivoting point, is at the top? I guess it, I guess it would be, yeah. And then sure. at, at the bottom, I'm going to just use a, a, a dowel. Yeah. I think it's a nine and a half, which will go through the legs, through the, the bassinet, and out the other side of the leg, and that should be enough. I mean, yeah. if you were to push it, it would No, probably, yeah, there's plenty, yeah. But that should be enough. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And, uh, yeah, so it's got to be able to lock because then at night when the side gets folded down, it's got to be pushed up against the bed and yeah. you can't have it move. And then the wheels have got to be lockable as well and it's got to be pretty Do close. Can, so have you – this is just <laughs> another practical question. 
do you think you could lock it or unlock it one-handed in the, in the dark? So that was something that my wife said, I've got to be able to do all this <laughs> one hand. And I said, no, you don't. Cause you can put the baby in and then deal with it. Or, you know what I mean? Or there's, there's never going to be, <laughs> there's never going to be a reason that you need to be fiddling with it. Well, I bet that conversation went well. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we're both new parents. So neither one can say, this is how it's going to be. It's just that <laughs> argument enough. can't be, that point can't be made. Good. But you yeah, know, you can put the baby in. And then you can do what you want and then you can change it. And then you can take the baby out. So there's no need to be doing it one-handed um, unless you want to complicate your life, but nah, it should be fine. Right. Yeah. It should, it should be done in a, in a, in a week or two's time. And then we'll watch the comments roll in and we'll, we'll see what, yeah, man. what well, like, Seriously. No one knows. No one can tell you what it's going to be like. And no one yeah. knows because it's different for everyone. So it may be mm. sweet. It might not be. I, it sounds like you've, They'd probably be sweet, but well, one of the other reasons why I switched from building the cot to this suddenly was because <laughs> we had that um, that moment where we were like, "Hang on, we don't need a cot right at the beginning. You only need yeah. a cot in like six months." Oh, yeah. oh, I need to go make something else. There's no point making the cot. And I ran <laughs> yeah, off and yeah. started designing something. You know, the bassinet, which is more important. So quick, go get a pallet and throw a mattress on it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the that's the sort of the the knowledge that we have at this mm -hmm. level. So it's right. all going to be learning curve. Cool. Uh, fun times. All right. So, Jordan, how about you? You've obviously not been in the shop. No. Uh, okay. So, let's do a quick tour update, but I have got some woodworking updates too. So, oh, cool. uh, on Monday, we were in Canberra still, right? Last week? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, since then, I have just gone all over the country. Well, as in New South Wales. So, I've been from uh, <laughs> Canberra. I went to Young to Mittagong, and then I had like a lovely... 10-hour drive to Grafton and Byron. This is all in a week, by the way. Uh, and I've also been to Warwick. And last night, I was in Narrabri. Uh, but the last two days, I have been... Well, our entire company has been without a lighting designer and operator. So I've been playing <laughs> lighting designer and operator on top of my job. So I have just... I may look deep, and that's because I am, because I've just been putting in way too much effort to this bloody puppet show of mine but You're getting special overtime yeah not quite but something cool happened last night and i hope he listens in but last night at narrabri i went out to a foyer to get a coffee right before the show and i heard come up behind me jordan I turned around like yeah thinking it might have been a staff member and it was actually one of my uh, followers and patrons malcolm lewis Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, you, you came to see the show and we actually bumped into each other. And uh, I mean, I was in show mode, so I do apologize if I came across as a little bit flustered, but like a rock star. Yeah, but it came. It came. It was kind of cool to meet someone genuinely in uh, in the public's forum that recognized yeah. me. Awesome. Um, that was Malcolm Lewis. Yeah, Malcolm Lewis. So Malcolm Lewis, this is officially your, your shout out on the, the podcast. That's <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, so today I uh, drove from Narrabri to wherever I am today, Tari, which is about eight hours as well. So that was a long drive in a truck through mountains. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Um, but yeah, woodworking update. I have scored a job and I'm just waiting on the deposit to come through for two uh, matching tables. So they're both, uh, I think they're both 10 seaters, so 3.2 meters long Jeez. by 900 mil wide. Nice. Um, this is for a business I've worked for once before who are pretty good to work with, so I have no worries. But the design, I'm thinking of making the tables have breadboard ends, which tie into what we were talking about 
pre-show. And uh, I didn't really give it a second thought until we started talking pre-show about uh, your table there, Robin, having the slight movement. And now I'm thinking I might have to rethink the breadboard end because they may not understand that the tables are going to move and there might be a gap. So... Well, not a gap, but oh, like a, a, a ridge little, sort of thing. A little ridge, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean... What if you, just just throwing an idea out, what if you were to design almost like a green and green style? Sort of um, have a slight... Have a slight quirk on the breadboard end, like, and chamfer around it, I and then could... you're not going to notice any you know, three, four mil of movement, movement? Yeah, yeah, that could be cool. Or something else could be, like, along the same lines, if I did a chamfer on both like all four mating edges yeah. on both the breadboard and the uh, the tabletop itself, at least yeah. that would give it a bit of a reveal. Except yeah, might... put like a V in there or something. Yeah, just really shallow because otherwise it would be a, a crumb trap, but it could be. Yeah. Um, is 900 millimeters the standard for a dining table? Because that just seems really narrow for a three meter long. It's narrow for a three meter long, but the issue is the room, they wanting to seat 20 people into a fairly small room. Yeah, right. So okay. what what I'm doing, 900 is a standard width, but um, not if you're wanting to have like people on the end necessarily. So the design is to have five people along the long lengths and no one on the ends. Oh, uh, okay, yes. So then it would, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's not so bad. Um, and it's, it's just a really simple design. I'm getting on my uh, wood knight with using some Vic Ash or Tassie Oak on it, which <laughs> is nice, fairly pale and still hard-wearing timber. And you could get, say, three-meter lengths, 3.1s, or you're going to have to join somewhere, but join somewhere. I should be able to get 3.4-meter lengths reliably yeah. through my main supplier, Um I haven't actually contacted them since having this job confirmed to make sure that they can get that for me, but mm-hmm. it shouldn't be an issue. But if I do, I'll just, with any luck, I'll be able to get the outside lengths to be solid pieces and then yeah. I just do a few, you know, finger joint uh, butt, butts. What do you call that? Finger, yeah, it's finger joint, isn't it? Finger joint, yeah. Yeah, long yeah, end grain, end grain. Yeah. But yeah, it should be pretty good. <clears throat> um, so, so would you do a finger joint or would you just, why would you... Because the finger joint's going to be pretty noticeable. Wouldn't you just want to do a butt joint instead because it's not like it's going to separate? Uh, I mean, yes and no. The finger joint will just give it a lot of, instead of just end grain to end grain glue, it will mm. give it actually long grain to long grain in that butt but, joint. Yeah, the boards on either side of it are going to stop it. it. Yeah. It should keep it exactly right. So, But you could do a sweet dovetail in the, in the, and that would look pretty cool. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. You could do just a classic like dovetail from one to the other and yeah. it would look better than a finger joint. Yeah, well, you could probably, put a... Probably easier to tune it as well and getting that bloody finger joint bit. Well, yeah, it's quicker. Yeah. Way quicker. And then you could actually link the two boards together. You could almost glue the two boards together and treat them as a single board when you're yeah. jointing them. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a pretty good idea. I mean, it depends on what stock I have, but yeah, I might mm. do something along those lines. Is he set on Tassie Oak or is there no real? This is a big business, like big, uh, it's not a business so much. It's a big organization. So I'm dealing with one person who's dealing with six other Mm. people. And it's also a Lottery West funded project. So they're not just dealing directly with their internal um, 
like internal guys they're also dealing with lottery west grants and all that so while this is a very easy job to quote because it's two matching tables and we got it all Mm. done it's taking four to five days for an email to get responded to so i mean i'm not in a rush by any means i'm not even in the state and they're not in a rush so it's not not an issue but it's it is a lot of back and forth so i've suggested vic ash just for a price point and durability because it is a common room where you're going to have 20 people coming in and out for three meals a day uh you know you don't want anything too flash but you also don't want anything too cheap that will just dent and mark like pinewood or oregon or something Mm. and and, um isn't it i assume teddy oak's quite easy quite available as well you know with with a lot of the other timbers the the more higher end are going to be harder to get in those lengths yeah definitely so i mean I, i could in theory i could actually give them a really nice uh, clean marry because I can get that by the pack off the farm and it's air dried so it's, it can be questionable but mm. um, generally speaking what I've seen come out of those packs has been really good the only pro- problem with that is I would have to buy that a cube at a time and I don't need a cube <laughs> so it's like do I want to stock up on some wood and not have so much profit from the project but give them a you know, really special piece or do I just want to have something which is quoted for and is going to be really nice anyway and mm-hmm. not be hard to, let's say, repair if it's needed or... Tazioke I, I quite like. We can actually, thinking about it, we can actually get most Tazioke here. It's like 4.2 long. Yeah, yeah. Um, 150 by 40 and mm-hmm. quarter sawn, almost all of it's quarter sawn. That's the other beautiful thing about um the the tassie oak or the vic ash that i get mm. i'd say in the packs that i'm selecting out of probably 80 percent of it is mostly quarter sawn in those yeah, plants it's really so, good yeah so it shouldn't be it should be a very stable uh, table as well yeah cool yeah cool all right well tonight's topic this was my idea and it's to do with the shop layout. So what your, what we, how we layout our shop to improve our processes. So I've seen a lot of videos where people make sure that the timber comes in one door and the first, uh, the first machine is something to do with milling and then they work the way around like that, which I think is a really interesting idea. Can't see it ever working in practice for me personally. <laughs> um, so John, I'll, I want to start with you because I know that oh. you recently shifted your workshop around quite drastically. Yeah. When you did that, was there anything in mind with the way you were going to be moving the timber around or was it just a case of wherever the space worked best? Yeah. I, I, it's a little bit of both for, for the reason I changed. So ideally, and this isn't me saying I don't have enough space and not being ungrateful, but ideally I would have an extra three meters of width in the workshop just because I've got, you know, the mezzanine and the spray room and the office takes up almost half the width of my workshop. Mm. Um, So I have to be kind of smart about my layout. Um, So a lot of it was for necessity, is to give me the maximum amount of room in the center of the shop so I can have tables on rolling casters, which which just allows me to move heavy tabletops in and out of machines. So I work mostly in tables so i have i have to have quite a big turning circle around me Mm. and every machine so uh what i would say 
is it depends on the work that you're doing on how you should lay it out. So if you're doing mostly small projects, you can probably have most of your machines and workbenches pretty close together because you don't need that much space around it and you can just carry whatever you're working on to the next workstation. Um, but for my, re, for my reorganization, it's kind of laid out in there's my timber and right in front of my timber is my jointer and miter saw because the first operation I'll generally do is cut the wood down to length oversized mm. of course but down to length and then joint two faces yeah so that's that's right there at the front of the shop near all the timber from there it's on a mobile cart and i'll take it over to either the thicknesser or the workbench to do laying out so i just wheel it up to the next workstation um, and then this is where the big compromise comes in my workshop is i've got between the jointer uh, sorry between the thicknesser and the wide belt sander i've got a lathe, I've got a router table, and I've also got a slot mortiser. No three, like not one of those three tools are used within the next step. Yeah. So taking it from the thicknesser to the wide belt sander, but it's the only place I can put it, so that's where they are. Well, that, that, yes, I guess that's, that's a really important thing. So that's the only place you can put it. Would it make sense shuffling things around so that you could get the wide belt sander there, or does that not... You know, are your uh, are your returns just diminishing at this stage? That's there comes a point where you have to stop faffing around and moving stuff around and just start making stuff. Um, and it's a really easy trap to fall into because it's oh, I'm liking how this is working, but maybe if I budget 500 mil this way, mm. it would just it'll be enough. So like the longest table I'll probably work in is about three meters. I mean, 3.2 is is my next one but let's just say three meters so as long as i have three meters of feed in and and lead and feed out yeah. on mm -hmm. those two machines which is the thicknesser and the wide drum sander i should be right so the way i've got that spaced is i think i have it at 3.6 meters um of clearance around yeah. those mm -hmm. machines and also width uh, my wide drum sander is a 900 mil wide machine so the widest board that's going to go through there is 900 mil so I have to make sure I have at least one meter minimum to the side of that machine so I can actually bring that board out of the outfeed and bring it back to the end. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. Like the big, the bigger your machines get, not the only is their footprint is bigger, but yeah, the space that you need goes up. That's interesting. Yeah, and same thing with the sliding table saw. You know, yeah. that thing, I would never go to a standard table saw again after having a nice sliding table but i need three meters radius around yeah. that thing at all times because my sliding table is what two and a half meters minimum yeah. and also the sliding action of the table is 2.7 meters on my particular saw so it's just a crazy amount of room you need around all these machines so my my layout is a total compromise but it's the only way it can work with some sort of workflow being considered <laughs> I noticed, Joey, in your shop, you've got your workbench where you do a lot of your hand planning yep. on the side, right? Yeah, it's on a wall, yeah, under the under a window. It seems really popular today to have the, the benches in the, in the middle. The, in the middle. Yeah. Is there a reason you've chosen that? Um, I think about this often. Um, I, I could quite easily on some days drag out my table and, th and get rid of my 
crappy um um what you call it assembly table mm-hmm. and and i have my awesome bench right in the middle that i can walk all the way around it <clears throat> but then within i guarantee within 10 minutes if i did that i'm going to start screwing shit down to it because mm-hmm. i need to temporarily screw a block of wood onto a bench and mm-hmm. i don't want to do that to my bench so i've made the conscious decision that that bench is i use it as a tool that is where i do my joinery and fine finer work so that's where hand tooling is done um and then so i and i have it under the window so i get natural light i can see what i'm doing um and that leaves my assembly table i can throw glue on it i can nail into it you know do whatever i like i can route into it and eventually it's very close to needing rebuilt because it's about to fall apart um it looks like you hardly use the thing anymore these days with the <laughs> size of the projects that you're doing I guess that's always wheeled out the way uh yeah well no i have a um a small assembly table and a big one ah uh, okay so right. got, i thought it was just that big gun i've got a big one that's a full sheet size 2.4 by 12 and that's kind of somewhat nailed to the ground <laughs> kind of mm. um but uh, what i was going to say actually about the whole workflow thing is like the day I moved into my workshop, I just had this big empty space and Jordan probably had the same problem. You're like, where do I dump the first thing? Mm-hmm. Like suddenly you, you, you've got your truckload of stuff ready to move it, all your stuff into your workshop. And you're like, oh crap. You know, you've thought about it, obviously, but where should where I, I start, start mm. putting boxes of stuff that aren't going to be in the way for a start? And unfortunately generally they stay right where you drop them off for the next three years and then you <laughs> yeah, trace them um i always think that like a woodworker is kind of like a goldfish and that you will grow <laughs> into the size of your workshop like if yeah. you're limited to a small room then you won't get that much big stuff yeah but if you have a massive space ahead of you that you can do heaps with you will quickly grow into that by getting yeah. massive what? piles of junk what I've come to kind of realize, and I probably couldn't do it now because I'm used to my space, but I wish that I had have actually put more walls in. I think it's actually a big waste of space mm. to have one open big room. Yeah. Because you have, like, especially in the corners, it's just, what am I going to put in the corner? Oh, okay, I put my lathe in the corner, but then I'm going to put my bandsaw in front of it because that's the only other place it can go so now i can't get to my lathe yeah you had built if i had built a little um like a a nook wall um you know a little wing wall i could have put my lathe on that and use the other side of that wall for storage Mm. and Mm. actually makes way better use of the space having corners and things to lean things against i think is way more practical in a workshop but it does require a crap load more thought because you kind of, you're building permanent kind of structures. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very difficult to put because us woodworkers have lots of small things mm. and you put lots of small things in a very big room. Even a double garage is fairly big. Um, where are you going to put all this stuff? Um, and you tend to just spread it out. Yeah. And having specific locations for things even if it's just this is where all my small hand tools go, no matter what, anything that's classed as a hand tool goes on the shelf. Mm. Uh, and it kind of frees up a whole lot of workbench space. 
I also quite like the idea of zones. So if you have the space mm. and you can have like, you know, you've got your dust creating zones where there's all your sounding machines and all that sort of stuff. And you have that in an actual entirely partitioned off space, then it keeps, I mean, this is yeah. how my uni's workshop was laid out. We had, you know, the, um, it's like used in cool rooms and freezer, walking yeah. freezers, that plastic sheeting. Yeah which is yeah. flat, like flaps. Like they just stuff had that. that you see in te techie old restaurants that you yeah. probably shouldn't be eating in. <laughs> yeah, that sort of stuff. But they just had that laid out from the roof down. And on one side of that was all of the machines. So we had the panel saw and the radial arm saw and the jointer and thicknesser and all that sort of stuff in that area. And then in another area was all the assembly benches and hand tools with clamps and all of that. And then another area was the finishing zone. And it, while it made the workflow a little bit harder to just quickly nip over mm. and do this one docking cut, it and certainly helps keep it yeah, more organized and much yeah. cleaner because you're using your project cart for all your components. So you just wheel the entire thing in if you have to do one more cut. Or I whatever. really like the idea of that, actually. Like I, you've made me think about putting like a little hallway down the side of my workshop and then just putting like yeah. five rooms in. And that's what I get to work in. Like, um, I think if my workshop, like I said, was like three to five meters wider, I would totally implement something. Like, I'm not gaining any extra width. If it was shorter but wider, I could implement something like that um, quite yeah. easily. The only I have actually thought about, and I did think about putting some bigger partitions in, extra partitions. My, my workshop's cut in half, or just pretty much cut in half. Currently, so I've pretty much got 100 square meters in the front, 100 square meters in the back. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought, yeah, maybe I should make extra rooms. But my my very next thought is, it's going to restrict the kind of projects. I I feel like it will restrict what I can and can't fit in and out of the workshop. Yeah, right. I think zones work really well, like the best when you're doing multiple. Like if you were just a chair manufacturer mm. you would absolutely yeah. have like pretty much a tool per room and that would just keep and you'd bring in 300 pieces of wood that go through the tool you take the cart of pieces to the next room with yeah. the next tool set up it's kind of more production manufacturing yeah yeah i don't think it really quite works when you're just you know i'm doing a kitchen this week next week a dining table like it needs yeah. such a different range of space requirements yeah yeah for sure and that's where i think the the I say the birth of the mobile workbench only because I remember back my my dad and his dad, there was no such thing as a rolling workbench. That to me seems like a fairly new idea. I think that's one of the greatest things that you can do is, is make it mobile so you can move it around. I'm stuck with, I've got one mobile and one heavy duty bench that I use for, you know, for uh, hand tool stuff. And it's great when I'm using it for hand tools, but when I'm not, it's just a pain in the ass because it just sits yeah. there and I can't move the thing around. It's just in the way. I couldn't agree with that more. Like my, well, I don't want to diss my Rubos because I like <laughs> them a lot, but I, the, to me, my Rubo workbenches just take up space, but my mobile workbench and my assembly table, which is in the center of the room, are the only two surfaces I use unless I'm specifically like chopping out a mortar, so I'll take that to my solid Rubo workbench. But because they're static, to me, I don't use them hardly ever. Um, so, yeah, um, the, the birth of the mobile workbench is amazing as far as getting the most go, out. 
I'm going to go down your route, Joey, and put my, because I've got it in the center behind me, I'm going to put mine very soon against the, the wall just to get right. it get it out of the way. And then if I ever need to do work, the only reason why I've never done that is just because when you're on it, it's really nice to just be able to flip the work around yeah. with the space. But I think the reality is, is yeah, it's just, I, it's just in the way. There's a few times where working against the wall isn't great and that sometimes your piece doesn't quite fit onto your bench properly. And if only you had like, if you, you could pull the bench out a hundred mil, that would be, yeah. that would mm -hmm. be good, but then it's just too hard. So that, that happens sometimes, but not a heck of a lot. Um, I couldn't think of anything worse personally than putting my workbench on wheels. Like this would be the worst thing I could ever think of. Mm. Um, but I have, I've got a couple of, more lightweight benches I can just drag around. One is on wheels and the other is um, my kit set one, which can just be dragged around. And my main assembly table is kind of fixed in place. And I, I will, when I rebuild it, I'm going to do the same. I've got to fix it in place so I can do hand planing on it if I need to, like a tabletop. Mm. I can hand plane on it without it shooting around the room. Because you can't do hand work on you can get the biggest wheels, most heavy duty wheels, but it's just never going to work. It's the just, locks aren't going to work. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go the specific. Uh, they're like I think they call them drop down casters. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're actually sitting on all four legs of the table, and then it kind of jacks it up a little bit onto the wheels. They're the only way to have a good solid workbench to work on. Actually, yeah. speaking of that, my machines are on on wheels like that. I mean, I yeah. keep my thickness uh, and my drum sander. Uh, are on wheels because they get in the way of my sliding table, uh, mm. sliding table saw. So I'm always got to push two of them out of the way to use the table saw, but generally you don't use them at the same time anyway. So mm. you know, that's fine. Um, I do find sometimes the sliding table saw is just gets in the bloody way. Yep. But um, when you need to do a cut where it can hold your whole tabletop, like today, I trimmed my um, kitchen um, island top to size and it just put the whole thing on it, trimmed 10 mil off it, bam, finished. Like it was awesome. Yeah. And having yeah. a guaranteed 90 degree cut every time, yeah. it's just like. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about table saws last week. So a lot of a lot of the cuts that I've been doing this this time, I've basically got a, uh, a very poor man's track saw, which is just two sheets right. of MDF. Yeah. I like that. What's that? Yeah. Uh, what, what, I, I really, I, I'd rather use that and make one than buy one, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. oh, and, and don't get me wrong, like it, it does work and it does work well. And I've seen a lot of people argue that the track saw will do away with your your table saw in a lot of scenarios. But you've got to get you've got to get it set up. You've got to clamp it in place. You've got to do all these things. Where I can imagine with with your table saw, you literally just throw it against the fence yeah, and it's yeah. it's ready to go. Like that's yeah. it. You know, which man, yeah. it must be cool. When you go into the next level up from what Joy and I have, where you start getting DRO, where you just say you want this fence to be <laughs> 801 millimeters and you program it and the fence just moves by itself and the blade just raises by itself. and I can add that onto my saw. Yeah. Um, Taking all the fun out. He almost sold it to me, but I, I was like, I just cannot afford that. But I almost bought a Cassidy with it, but it's yeah. a Cassidy, so yeah. I, uh, I went for the Italian. But I think <laughs> down the road, I think it's going to be it's about three grand or something, and I can CNC all the rest of the saw. 
I think the good one would be the blade tilt to have CNC control. Yeah. That would be the only one that I can see a massive benefit with, but also just the uh, rip fence, just not having to... Because remember, with the panel saw, you have to walk around the tailing edge of your sliding table to get to the fence sometimes. <laughs> and that, that adds a few hours to a day. The hardship. I know, right? I've got all these beautiful things, but I don't have DRO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must say, personally, in, in regards to um, organizing the shop, I used to look at people who did, they do entire YouTube videos of them in SketchUp working how they were going working out how they were going to do their future shop. Right. And I used to look at that and think, oh man, I can't, yeah, just, just get into the shop. But I, I totally get it now because this workshop that I, that I'm in, I, all my tools were on that side of the wall and then the workshop were ready. And I just started wheeling one out at a time <laughs> and did it. And it, it's fine now, but it's required a lot of moving stuff around as I mm. go. Um, but yeah, this idea, and I think I think as well because I'm I'm not doing this every day. This idea of making a workshop that is specifically for the processing of the wood from start to finish is just there's just no real net gain in it yet for me um, mm. because the pieces that I'm working with just aren't big enough to to. I would rather focus on my ability to walk around the shop and move in the yeah. shop than have um, make sure that my tools come in in the right direction or my, my wood comes yeah. in the right direction to my tools. It just, yeah. Right. There's, there's that. It also comes to the point that Joey made earlier is that if you're making one thing, it's really yeah. easy to plan out a workshop because you, you know, operation one, it's going to be cutting the taper on the spindle and then operation two is this. So you can easily have it on a piece of paper, but because mm. we all make different things for every project we do, it is a lot harder as a, like as a hobbyist and a just mm -hmm. a bespoke maker to have a layout. Fixable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the compromise thing, comes in. Yeah. The other thing to do with this topic, I thought was something I'm pretty bad at is just, um, just sticking with the crap setup I have and, and being too stubborn to change it. <laughs> and eventually it will get so bad that it'll be like, right, no work today. I'm going to smash apart this wall because it doesn't work and we're just going to spend the day and have bought like six sheets of MDF and let's just put some boxes together and right mm -hmm. now, now this actually works how I wanted it to three years ago when I moved in, you know? Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for just biting the bullet. If something is annoying you in your workshop, like you're constantly having to, you know, walk around something, it just mm -hmm. always is annoying. Would just shift that thing, cut a hole in the wall, make it bigger, like do what you need to do to get rid of that annoying thing. Because mm. when you actually finish that job and you're just in your daily work and you don't have to walk around whatever it is that was in the way, you feel so much better and it's just so easy, so much easier to, to actually um, do what you want to do without being pissed off about some situation <laughs> that you just are too lazy to fix. Workshop words, yeah. I'd say one thing I would like to say is like us, so Joey and, and myself, we're doing this and, you know, our intent is this is our business. We have to make a living off it. Robin, you're doing it more as a hobby. And a lot of our, our the people that are watching this would be doing it as a hobby. And uh, basically what I'm trying to say is that 
a lot of us would actually get joy from rearranging our workshop. Yeah. Like our workshop is our little man den or our, our lady den, whatever you want to call it. Um, so by by tuning it and getting this next thing just right, like that that to us is part of the hobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I was terrible for it. Uh, but now that it is me trying to make a living out of it, I don't think like that at all. Now I think it's just annoying. This thing's in the wrong spot, but I can't do anything about it because I have to cut this bloody thing, blah, 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 blah. But when it isn't, when it isn't a high-stress situation where you're trying to get something done on a timeline, it's quite fun to rearrange your workshop and get yeah. everything organized yeah, sure. and looking cool. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. will say that it's not fun to rearrange your workshop when you should be working. Yeah, exactly. It's the ultimate not fun because you're just, it's like money, 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 losing, I'm losing money. And it's like a two minute, I'll only take two minutes, I'll move this over here and it's then two afternoons later and you still haven't got it repositioned because you didn't think about dust collection or something. That's when it becomes painful. So Leroy's just said, Lady Den sounds quite creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I've been on the road a long time, guys. Come on. (laughs) Um, all right cool all right let's leave it there that's that's a, a, a good show all right so what have we been watching i'll start it off um there's a, a channel called make it extreme they've been around yeah. for a while they yeah. do very cool stuff yeah they're cool and they came out with a video this week an electric rotary gun and i, I the, saw that pop up. <laughs> and and the reason why i'm, I'm mentioning this one is when they started, it was all these like really outrageous but simple projects. The more and more that you watch, like there's actually a lot of engineering that's going into what they're doing. Mm. Like, you know, all the the, the, the the sort of the mechanical parts, the smaller pieces here and there. It's just it's I'm I'm enjoying it more now with these sort of sillier projects, just watching it go together, thinking, I don't know what this part's gonna I, I cannot even imagine what this part's gonna do. And then oh, that's what it's for. Yeah, anyway, so they put out this this electric rotary gun. It's super cool, super cool. Have awesome. I think I found them a while ago when they made like a deck chair that had a, a pull-out well, motorized roof that kind of came over as a canopy. <laughs> it, was, it was so cool. And it's all metal work as well. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. metal, yeah. Which I find fascinating the way they just, just, they work with metal like we work with wood. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So cool. I like metal. I mean, metal is cool. You can fill a, a gap with weld if... I I was watching. uh, Everyone probably knows about Matt Cremona. He Mm. just finished his Queen Anne High Boy, um, and last night I sat down and as he's he's released it as a twenty nine something minute. I was going to ask if you got through the whole thing. Um, And so what he's done is condensed, I think, thirty six videos down into twenty nine minutes. And I thought, I'll just skip through this and just see how it goes. <clears throat> I found that I watched every second of the whole video wow. from start to finish. I didn't even realize it was half an hour had gone. Um, he did such a good job on that thing. And and while the video for YouTube is definitely not a tutorial, it's more of a walkthrough. Um, and I could, I was able to keep, keep track of what he was doing. There's a few things that I was like, well, what did you do? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see those, some of those other videos on the guild. Um, but yes. so that was a Wood Whisperer yeah. project, so wasn't it? Yeah. Videos are from the guild, and then he's just condensed it down to, to a, as short as he could. And I, I tell you, he did such a good job at 
at editing that down and, and keeping it relevant. Um, and so, yeah, really cool. Go watch that. That's an amazing piece of work. Yeah, I got that one sitting in my watch list. Yeah, I, I haven't, I just haven't had the stones yet to get into it because it's just such a long video. And I yeah. like, I don't know if I can sit down for half an hour and I'm going to lose interest. But maybe with what you're saying, it's not going to be that bad. That bent lamination that he did on the top, um, as much as it, you know, we've seen it's bent lamination. It's not bent lamb. Isn't it? No, it's one piece carved. The, the, the scotia is carved and the actual bun top is like a five mil veneer that he just ah, water okay. bent. Right. Okay. Hmm. Sorry. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Sorry. Why did I think it was bent lamination? Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that whole look, I, I would, I would never even have thought that that's a, that's a thing that you do to make the top look like that. Like to me, right. a top is generally a solid piece of timber. It's never right. this. Yeah. That's it's just such a cool look. I'm, I've always been fascinated with that style. And I, for years, I never knew what it was called. And I've played around with putting um, those kind of parapets on the top of pieces of furniture just to see what they look like and um, to see it done. Mm. And I've done one recently. I did something like it, but nothing, nothing quite that scale. So, mm. yeah. Gareth has just mentioned an interesting thing. I love Macromona, but I can't watch it because it's so ugly. What do you mean by ugly? The, so the piece? I, I think I'm kind of with Gareth on this. I would, I would not want that thing in my house because it's just, I just don't like that style. Yeah, it's very, I guess it would be it's beautiful, but it's just not my cup of tea. Very yeah. American style. I think they really like the um, colonial stuff. Yeah. Um, I probably would have it in my house. But um, I don't know where it would go. I'd store like blankets in it. No worries. Yeah, put my undies in it. Yeah, <laughs> special undies drawer. Just yeah. the, like those finials. To to me, yeah, I don't know. I just oh, yeah, okay. yeah, they, they. I mean that every piece. It's the it's the height of ornamentation for that period, um, mm, yeah. and all around that period from later on, they get it gets progressively less and less decorative so mm. you could probably pick a piece from like 20 years later that was not so decorative but um yeah yeah <laughs> as Leroy says it's definitely an acquired taste but the craftsmanship is to be admired and that's the thing like I think that's why all of us woodworkers can appreciate it but yeah um I can't imagine I think that. that's why woodworkers hate him because of his skill <laughs> so, having, having, being watched, so good. having watched it all Joey is the skill level up there because the way I find Macaroni's videos come across is it's just he's just doing it it's just easy just just put it in and just do it it never comes across like he's a wow. skilled craftsman uh, how do I say this I feel like he's got the patience for it I don't want to say this um, well now so you have like, to say it yeah I feel like he works like I work I feel like I could do that if I set myself six months aside to do it and I could probably do it almost in the same way that he did. I'm not as skilled as him at a few things, not good on the lathe. Um, he says he's not good, but he's pretty good. Um, and he's got a lot more patience than me, I think. But I feel like you could just work through the steps. I think a lot of people see a big project like that and just see this gigantic thing. Mm. And I just see you make the legs, then you make the case sides, and then you set that aside, and then you make the sides for the next part. Like you ju I just see it as a series of small jobs. Yeah. And so it doesn't 
freak me out at all from the scale of it. It's just go through the process. And I think that's just what he does as well. I think, yeah, I agree with you. Like, for me, the biggest thing that I think he is uh, ahead of me on is that he's got the patience to tackle a project like that. Like, I wouldn't be able to set aside three to five months to do a project like that and still be into it, whereas he does. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a long, it's the long game. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of us would just lose interest. Oh, you know, I think about this bassinet behind me that has far fewer, <laughs> far fewer parts. And the, the thinking ahead process, obviously not, uh, you know, I haven't been doing this as long as, as you guys, but all the steps and making sure that the steps done in the right order so that I don't screw myself over in the next step. Like on a project that big, it just, yeah, it just seems insurmountable. Mm. Hmm. But good on him. Good on him. No, it's yep. cool. a good, good piece. I like, I like a bit of Cremona in the morning. <laughs> a bit of Cremona <laughs> in my coffee. <laughs> there you go. And he does like coffee. Um, is it me? It must be me. Yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, I, so I'm going to say straight off the bat, it's not their best video, but it's the one I watched today, was uh, Physics Anonymous. Who are once again? Uh, I think I might have mentioned them once before, but they they just do some machining stuff and CNC sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, their latest video is just a new machine they got, but it's kind of cool. I um, watched it. You sent through the link, and I watched the whole thing. Yeah, like it, and it was watchable. It was pretty cool, and I yeah. really didn't know what I was watching, but it was entertaining, and I learned a few things. And and that's the thing. All of their videos are entertaining. Like, you know, they do a solar eclipse video and it's like, I don't really give a crap about this, but I've watched the entire video. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's my video. I did forget to send through a link, uh, which is for this old Tony. Um, so I do apologize, but I've watched all of his videos that he's put out in the last fortnight this week, which is really cool. Um, he's a metal worker, machinist, and very entertaining and uh yeah a lot of small little quirks throughout his videos so if you like machining and woodwork uh sorry metalwork check out this old tony as well mm. tony uh cool all right well what i just want to do is another quick plug about the maker meetup there's a link in the video description to the new event the one that's not set to private so anyone's <laughs> welcome you can bring your friends and family and dog i don't other way is cool so obviously we want to see as many of you guys down there as possible at this stage it's looking like we're going to be meeting in brisbane just to make life easier cool and um dirk who's actually in the chat asked me about putting together some like some just a list of like accommodation or or you know uh, what we can do while we're there so i will get onto that probably closer to the time at this stage the main thing we're looking for is just an expression of interest who would be who would be keen to come along so we'll leave it at brisbane because it's central it's closer ish. than yeah, central ish especially coming from new zealand yes. <laughs> it's obviously it's going to be the closest capital city to the expo so yeah. make, it, make it easier so yeah south bank or somewhere like that eh? maybe we'll figure it out closer yeah we'll work it out then cool all right uh well thanks everyone for for joining in thanks everyone in the chat as always uh <laughs> and some pretty funny comments there and um yeah, thanks for watching if you are watching this on YouTube and thanks for listening if you're listening to this on iTunes. Next week, we're going to be Monday night again and then after that, we are back to Thursday night. So Yay. we look forward to that. Cool. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode.
Bye. Yeah.